Football, by the hell. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Football. Bloody hell. Yeah, the prediction pod has come around again. In fact, for the second time this week, as we've had the bonus midweek fixtures. Well, now it's time for the usual weekend madness with myself, Dave Pryor, and also joining us, the voice you've already heard. Whose is it, you're asking? It's Mr. Tom Bailey. How you doing, Tom? Oh, I'm very good, thank you. As they say, all good things come in pairs, and uh, that is exactly why we've got a second prediction pod this week. I thought that was in reference to how many people that we've got on the pod tonight, and <laughs> I was thinking, I don't think you've quite calculated that correctly there, Tom. <laughs> and that is because... Unfortunately, we don't have a guest with us to complete a quartet, so we're running as a three, and that third in the final leg of our three. It's Mr. Rick Hyatt. How you doing, Rick? Just thought you were going to say, unfortunately, we've got Rick Hyatt. Thanks very much, mate. Cheers for that. So I suppose you could then manipulate where the words fall and you know, I can. try and make it nice. I can cut and paste, but a sec- second predictions pod of the week, so I'm looking to get a second prediction right. I must have had one right. Well, whilst we're on that subject, you might not have got the scoreline right, but you predicted a Liverpool win and lo and behold, it happened. So you just want to touch on that one for us before we begin? I don't think there's anything positive I can add to that, except that um, poor Tierney is walking in a very strange way this morning. It's quite clear that you and him obviously wanted the same thing based on your prediction from earlier this week. Do you think that it's it's all come about so that Pogmol can... Well, we've gone early with this, haven't we? We've gone early with it, go on. Do you think it's so that Pogmol can can manufacture that second non-asterisk title for Kloppo's documentary? Is that what it's all about? We have gone early, haven't we? Admittedly, I set you up here, but we have gone <laughs> Tom's early. Tom's little face. David, what have you done? I know. Do you know what? We'll get to that a little bit later, Rick. Okay, so listen, Ooh, I've, don't I've, worry. That have I revealed my hand too soon? Yeah, I'm sure everybody is shocked listening to this at home. <laughs> Well, let's start then, as always, with Yeovil Town, because they did get a nice win in midweek. Myself and Rick were there. Um, Tom, you were there as well. Do we just want to quickly touch on the midweek game before we look ahead? Because it was the kind of game that felt like it wasn't... I maybe wouldn't go as far as saying it was going nowhere, but it felt like that when we got to half-time, there was a bit of anxiety in the crowd. It was a cold evening, despite what Rick says, and... It just felt like that that was attributing to what or the lack of football we were seeing on the pitch. But then as soon as we got out for the second half, it all exploded in the first 10 minutes and then Yeovil kicked on from there. Would that be a sort of fair assessment of how you saw things? Yeah, I think I was probably more on the harsh side of an assessment of I the first half. I can confirm that was the case, chatting to you at halftime. <laughs> yes, I was, um, I was frustrated, I think, from the fact that this was probably our best chance of really blowing a team away and sure in the second half we did we did step it up in the second half but the first half we were just slow Jordan Young in particular I was not particularly impressed with I think he was just trying to do a bit too much whether they came in thinking this was going to be a cakewalk um, I'm not too sure but Slough set up really well they were organized in defense and they pressed high as well when the ball did come back into our own half so got to give them credit as well they they did play a pretty good game Dan Lincoln probably could have been sent off for the amount of time wasting he did um, but the referee sort of thought nothing of that in the end. But it was just some quality that sort of separated the two sides, as we've seen time and time again. Brilliant finish from Worthy for his goal. Um, nice work again from Young for his goal, and obviously the penalty, which some of the Slough fans were saying it was never a penalty. But I'm sorry, I was the other end of the pitch, and I could see that was a penalty. So I think all in all, 
it was a deserved win. Slough in the second half couldn't really do much. And I think it's, again, helping to the, build the momentum, keep the momentum going into the big game on Saturday against Maidstone. Rick, Tom's mentioned it there, but just talking about Worthy's goal and in particular his performance, because we spoke about at the start at length and everyone has on social media pretty much since the Michael Smith injury, say it quietly. What is um, Mark Cooper going to do? Because whatever he decides to do, there wasn't a sort of a recognised replacement um, sort of plug and play ready to go. So whatever he did, it was going to possibly move things around a little bit. And that's what he did. He decided to move worthy to that right back position he's done it before but rick he was everywhere wasn't he and epitomized in the perfect timing for that goal and not only that the cushion volley to uh, get it beyond lincoln in goal it was just a brilliant piece of football all around really to top off what was a brilliant performance really that was a complete performance from the skipper certainly grown into that role as the season's gone on he looks very very comfortable being the captain now and uh, you can't really fault what he did what the team did got the job done and move on papering over the first half I thought the first half was a bit dull and then it came to half time and Tom said oh well done for commentating through that I thought, was it that bad it didn't seem that bad but clearly it was felt a bit chess matchy I mean, at times didn't it they had yeah, the, a little bit. the one yeah. that hit the bar didn't they and then Pearson not Dawes <laughs> ran through a couple of times and the goalkeeper did quite well really didn't like we mentioned it in commentary Rick it wasn't necessarily poor finishing it was actually good good, good goalkeeping yeah did you notice that in the second half Tom when Will Dawes got a yellow card despite being on the bench I, I didn't know that Will Dawes got booked for that I think in uh... my defense Will Dawes <laughs> looked very similar <laughs> to Pearson now that Pearson's come back no, to he Hughes didn't. Park and he's got this lovely Will Dawes had hair. a tracksuit on and was sat down he looked nothing <laughs> like him <laughs> Rubbish defence, prior. That was yeah. also a, a terrible decision from the ref. How the linesman's not even stepped in and gone, no, you've got that wrong. Yeah. Like, that was shoddy. Would have saved me looking like a tit as well. So, uh... Oh, no. <laughs> Never going to do that. That's one of the highlights of the commentary, David. That and the fact that um, we always enjoy the referee, Mr. Pratt, coming down to Hewish Park because, you know, sometimes it just writes itself, Rick, doesn't it? It certainly does. Just before we move on, the badge thoughts we're gonna to have to discuss it aren't yeah. we so um tom i'm gonna to throw it to you first hospital pass tom bailey i am in the minority that likes this badge positively yes, likes it or doesn't dislike it it's kind of both i think there were certainly worse options and i think while it is very simple i think from a modern standpoint of football where things need to be more marketable and in terms of spreading, well, perhaps not the message, but in terms of spreading a brand, making the club a brand as opposed to... It has to be transferable the, across various mediums, exactly. doesn't it? The monochromatic theme of it, big words, I know, I think works very well. I'm warming to the actual shape of the, the crest, the, the shield itself. Um, I think that was the only part that sort of properly threw me off. And I think any reaction like this is somewhat expected. Sure, it was dropped a bit harsher than perhaps people expected. It wasn't really sort of introduced. It was kind of just, bang, this is going to be a badge now. You're going to like it. I think that may be the only sort of criticism of the badge I may have is that it just probably wasn't launched quite in the right way. Brilliant promotional video, though. And I think people will slowly begin to warm to it. And I think over the past couple of days, I've seen people warming to it, at least online. So I personally have got no issues. I think the only thing I'd add is maybe add Achieved by Unity underneath it or at least incorporate it at the top. But that's my only addition. 
seven out of ten for me. Oh, we're we're giving a we're giving it a scale, are we? That's, that's oh yeah, add, that's added pressure now to my Rate, rated response. badges. Yeah, I think first and foremost, my initial reaction is that maybe this says more about me. I don't know, but things like the brand oval and the and the badge and those sorts of commercial things. Um, I know the badge itself isn't commercial, but I mean it, it sort of links into that. It's not really something I worry about or concern myself with because whilst I think. As human beings, generally, we're kind of uh, subjected to change. I mean, my day job is trying to complete digital change to the NHS. And so I know on a daily basis just how difficult that is to do when um, people just used to a certain process or in this case, used to seeing a certain um, badge associated to Yeovil Town. But I think if you actually break down objectively what the current Yeovil Town badge is, people like it because they're used to it. There's no other reason. No one's necessarily like if that badge was to be produced now, I think you probably get the same kind of discussion that people are having at the moment with the current badge. I think it's just people like it by association. I understand what you're used to, isn't it? People don't like change. Exactly. That that is the fundamental element of it. And like you said, Tom, I, I do quite like the simplistic element. And I also like the fact Martin Helly has been on our podcast months ago and talking about the fan engagement and the amount of research and thought and history has got into this. And you can see all of that in the video that's been produced. So it's 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 not something that's just sort of been slapdash done. I know that people will say, oh, there's a lot of that's clearly been done on clip art or whatever. But that, that that's just bollocks, isn't it? Let's be honest. It's not that at all. And I think it's just one of those things where as the weeks go by, I think people will get used to it. And Yeovil aren't only the only club, by the way. I know that there was a situation at Leeds and that was a bit out there for me with the whole hand across the chest thing. It completely changed like everything. I think maybe that's a bit of a unique example, but I would say at least half of the Premier League have changed their badge in the last 10 years. There's probably a lot of it all over the the EFL as well. There would have been a lot of pushback, but they get on with it. And I don't think people of those clubs are really too worried about what their badge looks like now. And I think the overall will sort of be the same. It'll be interesting to see the stance that the board take, because sometimes with this sort of thing, they can listen to fan engagement and be like, oh, maybe we need to do a little bit of a U-turn, which is what happened at Leeds. I'm not so sure if we're particularly at that stage, but I think there was a, it might have been the Glover's cast possibly put out last night uh, as we record this, what it would look like on the kit. And I think that did also change some people's opinion. Because yeah. when you look at the badge objectively, actually look at how it links in with the kit. And it's fine. And I personally don't have a problem with it. And I do understand people's opinions about it. But I do think with where we are in the table and all the other sorts of things that, that go on, I think there's you know other things that to worry about in the world. You, Rick? I have two thoughts. First thought is... It was going to get slagged off regardless of what happened, simply because it's something new and something different. So you weren't going to get consensus from everybody. And my other thought that nobody's mentioning is the fact that the other one was pants. It's just people were used to it. It's what they were used to seeing. It wasn't actually a very good badge. And by the other one, you mean the current one? The current one, yeah. The one that's there at the moment. So, yeah. I just don't think that's a very good badge. So whatever the faults with the with the newish one, at least it's kept football club in it. Just a personal. See, I even grind. like I even like the fact that it's taken the um the font from the the old yeah stadium, which you wouldn't have spotted, but like be, that. now that's been explained. Yeah, and that's the whole thing I think with it. The fact that if that that video, while the video is actually good, is the fact that it does explain. There's only about four elements on it, and it does explain why each of them is there. And then you add that to what it looks like on the kit. 
and job done. I think it's it's, it's a football club badge. Move on. You get used to it. Yeah. Exactly. And I know that there'll be people listening to this at home as well saying the three of you are talking absolute crap because of X, Y and Z. And there'll be people listening to us going, yeah, I actually really agree with them. And there's other things to worry about. So do people say that we talk rubbish, Dave. Who are these people? What do they know? My missus is one of them. Oh, is she? <laughs> More so uh, about me. I don't know what she thinks. I was going to say, she, <laughs> she thinks that we're all right. Can I just add as well? I think people would actually react to it even worse if it was a quote-unquote cookie-cutter circular badge. Looking at the, the at least the teams in our division, about half the league have got circular badges, sort of the, these, these modern cookie-cutter badges. There's only really one or two teams left that have got these sort of outdated, almost, well, I say crest. It's it's more like a like a council logo, I suppose. Yeah, us. That's where a lot of them Avely. come from. Yeah, Avely, Tunbridge, Slough have just taken theirs and stuck it in a circle. And Chippenham, and even then, there's a shield. The rest are already the circle. Oh, and Dartford. The rest are all circles or sort of kind of modern shields and, and, and crests. Torquay have gone for a very modern, elegant kind of thing. That's the only thing I can say that's nice about their club is their badge is <laughs> marketable and impressive. The rest is nothing stands out as like, wow, clean, and there's nothing wrong with them. But they don't stand out. They're just kind of there. You've hit the nail on the head there, Tom, with saying about the amount of badges that are still outdated. It's exactly that. I mean, look at the calendar. It's 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 2024. The world has changed an awful lot. That might be news to some listeners. I don't know. It's 2024. And therefore, some of these clubs were built in 18, you know, whenever. We've gone over 100 years now. Football will hopefully still be going in 500 years time. And you would expect there to be some change as those years go by. And I think at the end of the day, we've just got to kind of like get on with it and move in the times as difficult as it might be for some people. I think, I think we could make a whole podcast out of this. I don't know what other people at home think, but I reckon we could have maybe in like an international week or, or during the summer break, we could make a, a football badge podcast full hour. I'm sure the listeners are dying to listen to that one, Rick. Hyatt. Let us know. <laughs> Before I do wrap up, the game on Tuesday. I just want to mention the fact as well that Jordan Young obviously got on the score sheet again. Then there is the penalty by Newblay. Rick, in the end, it was kind of business as usual, wasn't it? And there was a couple of attempts cleared off the line in quick succession as well. Yeah. So it could have potentially gone a different way on another night, but the quality rose to the top as it often does, particularly at Hewish Park. Yeah, it's one of those games that they don't last long in the memory. And then at the end of the season, you say, oh, look, we've got another three points there. Thank you very much. And and on you go to dethrone the FA Cup pretenders on Saturday. Yeah, links us nicely to what happens on Saturday. Tom Bailey, talk us through Maidstone United, because we do know that they have got this unbelievable cut run that they've got on. I'm a bit disappointed for them, that the draw that they ended up with, potentially Coventry or... Sheffield Wednesday. Could they potentially have their eye off the ball here and Yeovil will go in there at a good time? I think they're going to do as good a job as they can. They've actually had a game midweek or on the Tuesday, I believe, in their... I can't remember what county they're in. Kent, I think. Um, their county cup, basically. Uh, they won on penalties against Punjab United and there are some first-teamers involved there as well. So they're certainly keeping... They're taking that seriously as well. Maybe have some tired legs and definitely some rotation. I think one of their star players in Sol Wanjal Smith is actually out for the game, so he will still be missing as he was against Ipswich. I think we've got a. They've, again, they've got some really good players as we've seen. The fact that they've made it this far, 
is a testament to uh, to their hard work, and they deserve well whatever whatever comes for them prize money wise etc. Lucas Kovalan who was my personal man of the match. Uh, he will be one to watch the man in goal. He pulled off an absolutely incredible save, even coming to us earlier in the season, which I was adamant at the time that it had gone over the line. A lot of people told me I was wrong. And so since I've changed that, uh, that view, but good experience in the team as well. Gavin Hoyt, Sam Corners has played a pivotal role in their progress. And Lamar Reynolds had an absolutely incredible finish in that FA Cup tie. League form, they've dropped off a little bit. They lost the way to Hamilton and Waterlooville, and they lost to Slough as well, Drew with Braintree. So they're three games without a win in the league. They are at home, and the fact that in our last three league games as well, uh, all of them have been draws. So they've been a fairly good match for us. I think we'll edge it personally, just because of the fact that we've had a little bit more rest. They've played at a higher intensity, and I've seen that. FA Cup tie, a couple of injuries. They're missing Levi Amanchi. Obviously, he's moved to Bromley uh, at the end of the year last year. So I think I will go for a 2-1 to Yeovil. So I think it's quite a difficult one to call, kind of for those reasons that you've, you've just touched on, Tom, really, that you're not really sure when... It was similar to uh, Boreham Wood, was it last year? Where I think they went on a good cup run and they got to about the fifth round, I think it was before they played Everton and it just suddenly did take their eye off the ball a little bit on the league form I know it sometimes can be quite easy to say that to say oh they're obviously playing in other competitions so therefore they're gonna be a bit more burnt out or whatever but, but it's not just other competitions is it Dave it's the competition the, the competition. amount of attention they had on them from the game at the weekend there will be people that weren't aware of their existence before this weekend looking out to see how they do this week. Might have been yourself as well, Rick. I don't know if you made the point, um, but I'll give you the credit anyway. <laughs> if it's a good it could, one, I probably did. It could be a, a bumper crowd. Um, well, that's because the thing. people might gonna... have to get qualified to get their ticket yeah. for the next round. So That was me. But yeah, that's a, it could be a, a, a bumper crowd because if, you know, if they're putting vouchers and you need, if they're sensible, that's what they will do. And if you want to get an FA Cup ticket, then you need to collect these vouchers from, from certain games. But then at the same time, from a playing point of view, do you think that their players might be at the back of their mind thinking... Don't want to get injured. I don't want to get injured. I really yeah. want to play in the cup game. I don't want to put everything into this. So it could be, in many ways, the ideal time to play them. Sorry, I jumped all over that. It was your go. Go on. What do you oh, think? No, no, it's fine. After all that said and done, I'm going to sit on the fence and say a one-all draw. Yourself? I think it would be one of the two scores you two have mentioned, but I don't know which one. Do you want me to change mine so you can take it? I usually, I like a 2-1 away. For you. Well, have you had second thoughts, Tom? No, I, I'll just be prepared to be wrong. I mean, I'll be there, so I'll be, I'll find out. You can't influence it. You're not that powerful. Just because you're say, there Tom, doesn't that mean... Would be, that'd be two, two change predictions and two pods if you if you've decided to go down that red. Down Man, stick to your prediction, Bailey. You've got 2-1. That's it. Rick, you're giving yourself more thinking time now. Have you? Yeah, but I haven't done Bailey. any thinking in that time. It was pointless time. <laughs> I was just arguing with Tom and telling him off. I think I think it'll be a draw. Good man. Desmond? I don't think it'll be a Desmond. Simply because, and this is... I keep coming back to this point. I can't see Yeovil conceding two goals. So that's why I think if it is a draw, I think it'll be a one-all draw. Hopefully we won't need to clip that up. Yeovil will never concede two goals. Well, as long as they score more, it doesn't matter. But there have been times... I think I think previous, previous games, people have said, Tom, usually, has said it's going to be a 3-2 game which is I just I can see over scoring three but I can't see them conceding two goals to be honest the way they're playing at the moment the way they're back four with that new right back who looks quite useful 
yeah, I can't see Yeovil conceding too, so I'll, I'll go for a one-all. Good man. Welcome to the one-all club. And uh, don't forget, listener, fear not, because Three Valleys Radio will be there Saturday afternoon with your very own Tom Bailey and stadium announcer Ian Welch, I think, is coming with you for that one, Tom. He certainly is. Looking forward to being alongside him again. I think it's the first time I've been alongside him since Plymouth Parkway in pre-season. Oh, happy days. Such Lovely optimism memories. ahead of the new season. Yeah. And now look. Feels like a long time ago, didn't it? It does, yeah. As it was. Before we go to the predictions, which is why everyone's listening for the Premier League, we are actually recording this on deadline day. And I sort of said tongue-in-cheek last week, maybe we'll do a deadline day special, <laughs> listener. But I was shot down on that quite quickly. And to be honest, if I was to organise it, I probably wouldn't have got around to it anyway. So it's probably just as well that they, my esteemed colleagues shut that one down. But as expected, though, Tom, I'll throw it to you first. It doesn't really look like there's too much going on. When we had Adam here last week, I think it's fair to say it's all been linked into the financial fair play regulations that are in place and the bans that have been sanctioned already for two clubs in particular, that this has had a knock-on effect and everybody's a bit worried to do business. But there does look like there has been some movement today, albeit not a lot. looks like Armando Broya looks like to be set to join... Fulham on loan. Um, there's the Blackburn player Water set Wharton set for Crystal Palace as well. Looks, if anything, Tom, it's more likely outgoings to the Premier League going on the continent. Have you got anything else that you can tell us? Uh, there's not too much to add. I, I know that Morgan Rogers has joined Villa from Middlesbrough as well for a fee. So uh, that's yet more money in the coffers at Saudi Arabia. Nope, Abu Dhabi getting backwards now. And also Mahmoud Dahoud, who I expected to be a pretty good addition for Brighton, has already left on loan to Stuttgart. So he joins Dennis Undav out there. It's been a really weird window. I'll be honest, I thought the deadline was last night, not tonight. That's how interested I'd have been in it. Woke up today to seeing more stuff happen. I was like, why is, why are we still going? It doesn't feel like deadline day, does it? It's really no. weird. Yeah, it's been a, a really, really quiet one. I think everyone is going to be saving their powder for uh, the summer window, as we've touched on, obviously, with the financial fair play and everyone kind of knows where they stand. I think the only big international transfer I've seen today is um, Hugo Ekatike from PSG. He's gone on loan with a mandatory 30 million euro fee afterwards. That's the only big one I've seen. And I mean, that was a waste of a move from PSG anyway. So it makes sense for him Where's to go and gone? do that. Uh, Frankfurt. So, oh. and they've got a great reputation of obviously bringing through strikers, Andre Silva, Lukijovic, Randall Kolomoani as well. So they've got a good reputation of strikers. So I think that'd be a good move for him. But yeah, other than that, there's not really been anything major going on. There's been one exciting um, one, one that I'm very excited about. Friend of the pod, <laughs> Kevin Phillips is going to start playing football again. He's going to come out of <laughs> retirement and he's going to be a pod. footballer again. That's nice. Good old Kev. Do you know what, as well, like, Phillips on loan to West Ham, it was the most obvious signing, I think, there has ever been. Declan Rice West replacement. Ham do, do pick up these sorts of transfers. It's like uh, any top six club that's looking to get rid of a player, particularly English, or West Ham will sniff around that. Lovely. West Ham, Lovely old Everton, job. yep, any of those two. And City can put him out on loan to a team that's not really a direct threat to them so it's nice and safely done so but it's just nice i want to see him playing football i like i like kevin phillips although the number 11 is a crime against humanity that is absolutely shambolic from west ham from the club that used to have ray kennedy wearing number five you can shut up (laughs) i'll pretend 
uh, that's a bit before my time. <laughs> Fabinho wearing three was also a crime, so I will give you that. One thing I'm looking forward to as the actual deadline approaches is to see which 43-year-old ex-international striker Manchester United get in the door five minutes before the deadline. You'll bring Zlatan back, haven't you? Quite possibly. It wouldn't surprise me. One of them will be in the Sky Sports studios reporting on deadline day and get a call to say that they're wanted for a medical. <laughs> but we still have a couple of hours left for Solanke to break the bank no, and make his not. way to Old Shut Trafford. So it's not going it to happen. happen. When I turned on the app this morning, it said, uh, find out the latest about Broya, Haller and Solanke. And I was like, oh, oh, it's happening. Last You're minute. horrible. It, it turned out it was literally nothing. So. I think... I think it says a lot where the biggest news on transfer deadline day is a transfer, but not in football. The fact that Lewis Hamilton has gone to Ferrari. I mm. think that's that says a lot about what has happened on deadline day, that everyone was talking about Formula One instead, which is great for me as a massive Formula One fan. But for a football podcast, it's not so necessary. Just the final thought on it, Rick. Do you think that this there's been caused to scrap the January transfer window in years gone by. Now we're sort of at this situation at this point where it doesn't look like there's going to be much movement at all. There's always going to be more eyes on these clubs now. Do you think that January might be a thing in the past in the non No, I think that January will still exist, Dave. I don't think that we're going to get rid of January. It's still going to be here. <laughs> it's vital to the running of the year. Yeah. December will be, nine, will be nine weeks and Christmas will be the I'll tell you what, January. it's felt it's like about... January's been nine bloody weeks, I tell you. Never thought it was going to end. I'm glad to see the back of it. Well, people might be saying the same about this podcast, so I'll uh, get a bloody move <laughs> on and um, go through the predictions. So we're going to start at 12.30. 12.30 in Liverpool. <gasps> Jurgen Klopp, is there a problem? No, no, don't worry. It's at Everton. It's fine. All is okay. Everton Spurs. Tom, I'll start with you. That was a really drab midweek for uh, Everton, wasn't it? Nil-nil. And, I mean, they can probably feel they were harshly done with that Anthony Robinson decision. Spurs doing what Spurs do, winning at home. Plenty of goals involved in that as well. I think I can personally only see a Spurs win 2-0. Because Everton, have they've lost their goals recently. Now Calvert-Lewin has decided he's fit again. For some reason, they've stopped scoring. So I think 2-0. Uh, I wouldn't say it's necessarily out of the question, though, for Everton to spring a surprise. You've just made a good point there, Tom, that with the midweek fixtures, this has occurred to me that we've not really had a chance to then review actually what happened in midweek. So oh, I have to touch on that within the, within the prediction. So you've mentioned Everton there, but Rick, what about Spurs? How did they get on this midweek? And well, uh, how does that play into your thinking for this weekend? That's the game that I was watching last evening. I watched the Tottingham Hotspurs and they did a Yeovil. They turned up in the second half and got a 3-1 win. And that is what I suspect they're going to do on Saturday at Goodison Park. I think that, that Tottingham Hotspurs with uh, James Madison look good. Spurs, when they had a bit more intent and purpose, looked like they were capable of scoring goals again. I saw a stat today that Richarlison is the highest scoring Brazilian in Europe this season. Wow. Who would have thunk it? And he's playing well. And so, I, yeah, I, I think the Everton Toffees won three Tottingham Hotspurs. Just quickly on Neil Morpé, Rick, where, where, where does he rank in the... Uh... 
let's call it poop housery scale. He is the shit house, shit house, isn't he at the moment? But then he wasn't the only one. The what's the turn into Adrian now? What's the Spurs keeper's name? Help me out here, Vicario. Vicario. He was having words because Ivan Tony was giving him a load of jip. But he had a word with him at the end of the game because Tony was yakking at him all the way through the game. And he just said, oh, I asked, I asked him if he had a bet on the fixture, which was quite a nice little comeback. But Brentford were full of it. Absolutely well, Morpe, full of it. I sent it to you boys earlier. He even took to social media to have the last laugh, or try to at least, to say that, well, at least he doesn't have as many relegations on his CV than James Madison. Where's this beef come from? No idea. Or from a dart-throwing celebration. He's not the first person to have taken the mick out of it either, is he? Oh, Saka did it. people have done it, yeah. Saka did it as well. Uh, one thing I did notice from that is that Richarlison has clearly never thrown a dart in his life. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> that was the most <laughs> feeble attempt at throwing a dart I think I've ever seen. <laughs> and I've played darts in the same team as Adrian Hopper, so I've seen some very low-standard darts. <laughs> um... I think Tottenham are going to uh, uh, kick on. I think it will be a... Mm, Everton are ju- just finding it really difficult to score, aren't they? So I think I'm going to say 2-0 to Spurs. And then I'm going to watch the Everton crowd turn on Richarlison as he gets one or two Ooh, in yeah. that game. And I think that might add some interesting... hat trick Subtext. Not in my 2-0 prediction, no, but he might. Oh, given that I predicted they're going to score three, I was think I was selfishly thinking of my prediction because I've <laughs> I already just trying to catch yours. me out by saying, "Will he get a hat trick in a two 0 win?" No, I've dismissed yours. Yours is clearly wrong. <laughs> so he's obviously there's there's three goals for uh, the grabbing. Well, what about Brighton Palace? Because Adam isn't here tonight, and he did say last week that uh, with the Luton Brighton game, if it was at the Amex, it would be four or five, and then he said actually. It's going to be three. But he was referring to Brighton. But yeah. Tom, it was all about Luton last night, wasn't it? Night before. Last night? It, Whenever. You've lost track, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. Luton blew the roof off of Kenilworth Road and shot the seagulls down. I think Brighton will recover from this. Not necessarily effectively. They aren't going to really score, as I, as I said Midweek, they aren't going to really score. I can see it just being like a, a dull one nil. The fact that this is the the not a derby derby, it's a weird one. It's such a big derby oh, that yes, they're playing it at three o'clock. That's how big a derby this and is. Sorry, boys, it's just broken that Adam Wharton has completed his eighteen million pound deal. So interesting to see if he gets thrown in straight away. Palace really feel like they've uh, lost their way with their transfers and stuff. I, I don't know. I'm I'm not I don't know anything about this lad to be honest. I don't he's, know if it's more potential. He's yeah, I think it's more potential. You know what it feels like? It feels like a championship signing. I wouldn't be surprised that they kept falling backwards despite rogue call. I think one nil Brighton, maybe a Yao Yao Pedro penalty, but it's not Obviously. gonna be it's not gonna be the most inspiring. They'll just want to get a win and and get themselves back on track Brighton as uh, as well Rick will say they are a certain person's choice. Over to you, Rick. One English goal apiece. It's going to be a draw. Elise came back, did well midweek, and he's out again, isn't he? He's not available, I don't think. Haven't they, haven't they actually, now you've said a 1-1 draw, didn't mm. they mention last time that it's been one-all draws out of the last six times they've played or something? So it's probably the result of choice, to be fair. Playing the odds, it's one of those, one of those ones. Brighton look a million miles away from their best and apart from Yao Pedro doing his best most Salah impression and 
being lethal from 18 yards. One or So I think I'm going to say 2-1 to Brighton. And I know they're in a little bit of a sticky wicket. You're sacking Roy again. You're determined moment. to get him out the door, aren't you? Well, you've just said yourself, Elise and Eze are the guys, aren't they? And they, yeah. you don't always get them on the pitch at the same time. I think it's very few minutes. And um, it looks like being the same again. So I expect Brighton being the home side too. I expect Deserby would have stuck it up them. I think so that's harsh. I think you're picking on a pensioner again, Prior. Well, like I say he doesn't need his pension. This and is true. I feel like I've now got the Iriola tag this time on Big Roy because he was Liverpool manager and we all know what happened. So maybe I'm still bitter. The finest Liverpool manager in living memory. I think you're fine. Well, from one finest Liverpool manager in living memory to one manager in living memory who's not having a good time whatsoever either. That was poor. That, that was, was, that was shoddy, even for you. I, I ruined it by adding Liverpool. I should have just said a manager not having a good time. But anyway, don't worry. Burnley Fulham, what's going to happen here? Is it going to be stinky? Feels like there's a stench in the air with this. Go on, one. you go first. Commit yourself. I think that says it all, Tom. Yeah, it's ugly. Could be Brodia playing for Fulham? Yeah, could be. Both teams in bad form. Neither side looking like they're going to get many goals, which of course means it's going to be like 3 3 or something now we've said <laughs> this. I don't know. Uh, 1 0 Burnley. Ooh, this was the add. game, Tom, where I predicted 5-0 Fulham in the reverse. <laughs> it was. Uh, however, I'm not stupid, so I'm not going to I'm not gonna predict a 5-0 in reverse. Sorry, that was mean. That was unnecessary. Um, I yeah, enjoyed I, it. <laughs> yeah, I think 1-0 Burnley is probably as close as you can get. Fulham seemed to struggle against Burnley, according to this head-to-head record. Six wins for Burnley, one for Fulham, and a draw. So I think we'll make it seven wins for Burnley. What about you, Rick? You had thinking time. Or have you had thinking time? What's going on in your head? Very little. But I think to underline the sheer stinkiness of this fixture, it will be minus one all. (laughs) Seeing that that's not actually possible, I'll go for nil-nil. Does that mean it will be nil-nil when both of them will have two goals ruled out for the VAR decisions? (laughs) Who knows? The league look at the game and they just go, no, that's not allowed. Yeah, but if that that. happened, that can't happen because if that did happen, that would make the game interesting and it's not going to be interesting. (laughs) I don't really have much to add. Nil-nil. I just can't really see much else going on there, to be honest. But you never know. Maybe that's just me backtracking on my 5-0 from the previous time around and saying they're going to shut up shop and it will be clean sheets all around. So uh, look out for that 4 all draw at the weekend. <laughs> Rick will come to you for Newcastle Luton. Newcastle with a big win over Villa. They needed it. It's always annoying when you've got Newcastle players in your fantasy team and they get two from a centre-back in an own goal. <laughs> it's never helpful. But um, it was the first time Villa had lost for since February, I think it was, at home. But Luton Town on a good run. So can they do the unthinkable and get something at St James's? Would it be unthinkable? I don't think it would be unthinkable. It would be hilarious and very enjoyable but they they need to have a game plan and they need to execute that game plan because we if you're going to get anything at Saudi Arabia then obviously the execution is what's important but I think that uh, Newcastle home advantage and they'll you know the camel botherers will come through I think they'll probably uh, 1-0 to uh, Saudi Arabia but one thing do you think that Tyndall's going to be put off by the fact that the best looking manager in the 
Premier League. He's coming to his <laughs> homeboy turf. He's going to feel threatened. Did you see, Rick, the... Um, I was meant to tag you in it. I completely forgot about it. The um, the video that was put out this week by a certain betting company about uh, Mr. Tyndall and um, how they, they interviewed all people in his life about he was always destined to be a star. I recommend you watch it if you haven't seen it because it really is quite amusing. <laughs> Mad dog. <laughs> Tom, are you prepared to... Stick your head on a plate, as it were, and are you going to suggest a Newcastle win here? I'm going to say Newcastle win. I think Luton are going to give it a a bloody good go, though. I'm going to say 2-1 Newcastle, and sheer reason being they're at home, that's honestly the only thing, because Luton are playing pretty well at the moment, and I want to say a Luton win. I just can't get myself to do it, though. So 2-1 Newcastle. Um, Isaac will score because he's not on my fantasy team, and the, the rise of Newcastle will continue. It's a shame that we haven't got Unai, regular friend of the pod, Unai Emery, on this week. Because did you see at the full full time between Villa and Newcastle, the snub? He snubbed Mad Dog. You just don't do that in the modern day. No. Well, I'm sure if Unai was here, he would just say, very, very good, very, very, very good. <laughs> that's all he would tell us. Yeah, very probably. <laughs> that's, that's all we've got out of him so far from three appearances. Good game, good game. I can't do it. <laughs> no, you know, you know, Paul Thorpe, are you? No, I'm not. No, no. People have often said that to me, actually. Yeah, I do get that a lot. What, you're not lot. Paul Thorpe. No, I'm not Paul Thorpe. Okay. Yeah. Just in case you ever forget. When we're commentating, I'm the one that's not Paul Thorpe. Oh, yeah. And I'll take that, to be honest. I think Newcastle will probably win by about four goals to one here. What, no- what normally happens is teams like Luton, they start doing well. And then you think, oh, Maybe they could get something here at you know, a bigger ground. Everton did that earlier in the season, when after, yeah. straight after the 10-point thing. They went on a really good run, yeah, didn't yeah. they? And then as soon as you started believing in them, they asked yeah, for like, like, oh, I've remembered they, they're not they actually, are actually good, pants. are they? <laughs> yeah. I think that's maybe a bit harsh on, on Luton, but I get your point. But I do think that Newcastle will come good in this one. So I'll say 4-1. And as you've just said, Unai Emery unfortunately isn't here today, but they do play... Sheffield United at half past five. Rick, do you think this one's going to be worth switching on for? I think the Villa are going to be very good, very, very good. And I think they'll win by by three. Birmingham, don't do the voice. Three Birmingham away goals at the Sheffield United Blade men. And as long as none of the officials... all the As long as all the officials talk to Chris Wilder and don't eat a sandwich while he's talking to them then they'll be all right. Did you see that? What are you on about? He got very upset after the last game. Chris Wilder got really upset. He went into the official's room to moan at the referee and the linesman was eating a sandwich in the presence of a Premier League manager and he got all cross. Oh dear. Hopefully he never has to knock on A.D. Hopper's door then. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Evening, Adrian. (laughs) He doesn't listen. (laughs) Because he can't. Well, because Steve Rutter's not on. He only listens when Steve's on. (laughs) Uh, so you've gone 3-0 then, Rick, was it? Yes. Yeah, 3-0. Tom? 4-2 Villa. Ooh, it's going to be a cracker. They, they have got some goals, haven't they? They've got some goals. I'm purely manifesting a Watkins goal or two. And Sheffield United is scoring again. So, 4-2 Villa. 1-3. Sheffield United 1. Villa 3. I think, like we've touched on before, Sheffield United are just starting to pull themselves together a little bit but even though Villa lost in midweek they should have more than enough to 
Brushershide Sheffield United. So that's your Saturday offering. Four games on Sunday. And Tom, we may as well start with you because it's your second team, Bournemouth, playing Nottingham Forest. Iriola against Nuno. How do you see this one going? A Bournemouth win. I can start with that. The fact that Bournemouth are likely to be signing Enes Unal, who has uh, done a decent job in La Liga. I think he'll be a good strike partner or at least a, a good backup for Dominic Solanke. I just don't believe in Forest anymore. There's something about them that doesn't feel right. And I think... Doesn't sound very sustainable, Tom, not believing in Forest anymore. No. <laughs> I think if they don't... Do you not recycle, Tom, either? <laughs> I do recycle. I recycle as much as I can. Forest... Not as much as I recycle the same old jokes. <laughs> If Forest don't go down this season, then I think they will next season because it's just not going to... They'll have to sell half the team again to try and get... You think they're circling the drain? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I think they've got to be really, really careful. Um, Nuno was a bad appointment as well, in my opinion. Stank at Tottenham, stank in Saudi. I think he's very fortunate to have this job and I think they still should be regretting the decision to get rid of Cooper. So I think 3-1 Bournemouth and I only give them a 1 because Awanee's back. Rick, thoughts? I did find it interesting that um, Bournemouth decided to loan out... Oh, his name's escaped me now. The Wolf? Welsh lad to Southampton. I don't know if you saw this. Um, oh, David Brooks. David Brooks. Really? Yeah, so I know he's been through a, a tough time, but he's been yeah. um, put on loan to Southampton. I say put on loan. I'm sure it's a bit more to it than that. Um, You're going. <laughs> did seem to raise a few eyebrows because Southampton are doing so well and this this is a key signing for them. A bit of a coup really at that level uh, because there's no doubt he's got absolute quality. Well, he, he it, tore Swansea a, a new one in the mm. FA Cup last week. And it was quite funny to see on social media as well because a few Southampton fans were justifying it because Bournemouth fans were saying that he's been sold to a rival and Southampton were like, nah, you're not a rival. Get over yourselves. For that. That would have been the other way round. As far as this game goes, Nottingham Forest have fallen off a cliff ever since they, for a very brief 90 minutes, were the best team in the world. And then it's all gone wrong for them ever since. And Bournemouth did well in the FA Cup. And I think that they're getting the... The wheels are getting back on the wagon, as we say. And I think it'll be a brace to the Bournemouths and zero goals to the Nottingham Forests. Says. I agree. I don't like agreeing with Mr. Hyatt, but sometimes... It's the only way the you're going to be right, my friend. Sometimes the man does talk a little bit of sense, but we'll be clipping that up. <laughs> yeah, he can as well. Um, Play on yeah, repeat for an hour. I think Bournemouth will... Yeah, it will just be routine as it comes. I think there's a lot of up and puff with Forrest with not a lot of them product. But like you said, Tom, Awani is back, but I think Bournemouth at home, I think they'll be on the front foot and chop the forest down so be, to speak it'd be great to have a repeat of their previous fixture which i completely forgot was that 3-2 where Solanke got his hat trick that was an absolutely cracking game just before christmas so i'd love another repeat of that but i think they'll be even more convincing this time bournemouth i'd just like Solanke to be playing for bournemouth still got a couple hours left Rick, Shut your face. We record. there's time no there's not chelsea wolves what do you think rick <laughs> both teams are going to be coming off very disappointing midweek performances may i offer you a desmond here um, you're gonna a jail free card i don't know it it, it depends. you're all allowed one one a week how many <laughs> how many stonewall penalties are chelsea going to have turned down this week here we go 
Is Paul Tierney in charge? What, is he? What a difference, what a, difference a week's, week makes, eh? Is the week before, me and Tom were saying, we don't want Tierney anywhere near our... I know. <laughs> I know. I still don't. <laughs> He still had a shambolic performance. It just happened. Who, who was the, who was the guy time. on the VAR? He was the one that like was having a sandwich. I'll find to out. Quote you, Rick, you two talk. I'll find out. But we're we're, we're jumping ahead. There. We're jumping ahead. But I mean, yeah, just just referencing back to that that midweek debacle or debacle at Anfield. Tom did actually present on Twitter today. He he presented an alternate to the apparently the old fashioned. Who scores the most goals system of winning a football match isn't good enough for Tom Bailey. It's it's on shots you have, apparently. That's what decides who's the victor in a game from now on. I think you're rewriting a narrative there. That's what you said to me. Oh, we had so many shots in the game, so we got a win. We won the game anyway. <laughs> I know you did. Paul Tierney saw that, didn't he? John, John Brooks was the VAR referee. That's the one. Yeah, you both love him now, don't you? Love a bit of JB. He'll be doing VAR in the Northern <laughs> Conference this week. Be relegated after that performance. Man. And Wolves, are, as we speak, are going to be recovering from the hiding that they're going to get in their midweek fixture. Oh, <laughs> I, yes, of course. I don't believe that either. I think this will be a one-all draw. I will take your one-all and I will raise You're going you Desmond, Desmond, aren't you? You're going Desmond. Yeah, yeah I think there's the ingredients of a Desmond here. Do you not think, Tom? No. Chelsea stank against Liverpool last night. Could have scored two goals. It was a mi- and they should have had two goals. They should have had two penalties. Doesn't mean two goals. As Nunes Doesn't mean out. two goals. <laughs> yep, yep. As we saw with Nunes. We'll come yep. on to that. Yep, we will. Chelsea played so narrow against Liverpool. They just didn't know what to do. Badia Shield was dreadful. I be very concerned if he was playing at the weekend if I was a Chelsea fan and Wolves are slowly becoming one of my favorite teams this season which Gary I did not O'Neill. think I'd be saying at the start of the season so for that reason I'm going Chelsea nil Wolves one will it be nil one oh, oh Trafford where Manchester United play West Ham how does this leave the Hyatt household Rick you and your brother will there be texts exchanged has it already happened tell me about it I will either be receiving a text on the full-time whistle or I won't speak to him for six months. It depends on the result. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember the FA Cup game when Fabian Barthez... The offside with the arm in the air. Didn't move, yeah. Yeah. He sent that to me this week, which was was nice. (laughs) So I I think he's he's going to... So you sent one back of Rooney scoring from the halfway line, did you? I wouldn't be so petty. And also, I couldn't remember that or find it. But um, Good idea. We're here if you need us, Rick. Just remember I know, that. yeah, yeah. I need to do something childish. Who, who am I go-to? I think that uh, the Manchester United Reds are going to spoil things for David Moyef. And I, th- I think it'll be a th- oh, 2-1, 2-1 United in the Jesse Lingard derby. Incidentally, has uh, Barcelona signed him yet? Or, or not? Mm-hmm. Is he still... He they might be their manager it. soon. He could be. It's available. But hope, yeah, hopefully, with, with United, you just, as a United supporter at the moment, you just, you hope, because you don't know. If Marcus Rashford is going to try and be the new George Best, I'd rather he did it by playing brilliant football than just going out on the piss the night before a game. There are aspects of George Best's game you should copy and some that you shouldn't. 2-0 United. Belfast as well. He was going back to George Best's home. That's where the inspiration was. Yeah. Tom, 
How many United are you going to win by, Tom? Come on. I could see this going honestly. To a replay. But <laughs> I can't really call this one. So I've kind of just had to go down the middle. I've gone for a Dez, one all. I just really don't know at all because I have no idea which United are going to turn up. And West Ham are out of form, but they have Kudus back. So they could be good. They could be bad. United could be good because Rashford, well, I, he might turn up. He might not turn up. Anthony, Who knows? Well, a, the pubs are up, open but... for a long time before this game. There's plenty of drinking time left. <laughs> Onana will be back in goal, so he'll have his customary howler. I just won all. I can't decide, honestly. It's just going to be a very weird one. I am going to say one all as well, because I feel like for the last two or three weeks, I've predicted a Manchester United win. And so I need to just sit back a little bit and just be like, hang on a minute, Dave. Think of your principles. Recollect. What would Rick Hyatt do? She and was do the, the opposite. Etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So uh, I'll split the difference and say a one all draw. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Because the last game is a belter. Rick Hyatt is a belter. Arsenal, Liverpool. How many are Arsenal going to win by, Rick? Many, many goals. Old Lego's going to be jumping up and down. And the documentary will be spoilt. Have some of that. It did make me laugh that social media is a wonderful place at the best of times, isn't it? No, it's a horrible cesspit. Nothing makes you angrier. See, this is why Klopp's leaving, because of the documentary. And I just think, yeah, because Netflix wanted to capture Liverpool for four months. Just the four months. Just to see what goes on. You want me to say a number, don't you? Or two numbers. Please. Three, one. Let me ask you. Right, you you, you two (laughs) both Liverpool supporters, right? If you were a cow in a field and Darwin Nunes came in with a banjo, <laughs> would you feel in danger of getting a good thrashing? <laughs> so I was, I was, and I spoke to Thorfi about this the other day when he was. What about banjos? And I was going to speak to you guys about it yesterday and I forgot all about it. But I can't work out if he's closer to prime Ronaldo or prime Dave Pryor playing for Wadham School in, in, enough, in about 2009. I, was thinking, I don't know what he's closer to. I was thinking along similar lines today. He is the best player in the Premier League and the worst player in the Premier League, sometimes in the same match. Not once, not twice, not thrice, four times, not a lady, a post, Tom. It was incredible. I couldn't believe what I was watching. He is still, though, probably my favourite player in the Premier League because... I know people say he's chaos, but he's just ridiculous. (laughs) He's just my my favourite little moron. Just put him in the corner, you know, he can eat his crayons and And draw pictures of horses. and He'll just put across a a brilliant ball for somebody else to get on the end of it. (laughs) You you clearly know how you want the ball presented to you because you deliver it to everyone else, but... Yeah. Oh, dear. I, I said last night, maybe we just switch him and Trent because Trent can finish better than Nunes and he can clearly pass. Maybe we just put Nunes at right back. Thoughts? Oh, quick, quick one on uh, you got a new Bradley. Right back. You don't need another quick one. Quick one on Bradley because it does look like that we found well, ourselves someone the best who can... right back in the world. And he can defend. And he could, he's literally Trent but can defend. Give me Trent in midfield right now, please. Tom Bailey. Have a clop. Do you realise yes. what you've just said? What, give me Trent in midfield? No, you've just said that Michael Smith is not the best right-back in the world. He is yeah. the second best right-back in the world behind Michael Smith. Okay. 
There we go. Sorry, I should correct myself. Both Northern that. Irish, I should add. He knows everything he knows, thanks to Michael Smith. It's all down <laughs> to Michael Smith, clearly. I shall mention this to him if I ever meet him. Yeah, Connor Bradley was absolutely incredible. Deserved man of the match. Two assists, one goal. Lovely take and finish as well. So um, he's from Northern Ireland? Yeah. So how come you get a decent right back and we get a left-sided forward with a hangover? <laughs> well, you see, you've had a Northern Irish winger and he always had a hangover. I know. So it's kind of run from there, I think. But it sort of made him the best player in the world. It's not had the same effect on Marcus, sadly. Yeah, it's, it's not quite gone the same there, no. has it? No. My only concern about Connor Bradley coming in and being so good is that it means FSG will not spend anything for the next four years because <laughs> they've gone, well, we can clearly make it in-house. Why would we spend any money? Play him in midfield. Um, no, we've got Trent to do right that now. It's, uh, yeah, I think we're very lucky to have a player like Connor Bradley and, and hopefully... He he can continue Do you to think Gareth Southgate's thinking, oh, it's probably a good thing he plays for Northern Ireland, to be honest. Yeah, he needs another. <laughs> well, yeah, he wouldn't, he wouldn't get a game, would he? He'd be too yeah, busy picking exactly. Kyle Walker, even though he's 97 years old. What about Arsenal then, Tom? Because there might be Arsenal fans screaming at this saying, well, what about Arsenal? So uh, I've given them a 3-0 win. What more do they want? <laughs> he has spoken. The Oracle. Arsenal, they beat Forest. Of course, they played each other in the FA Cup not long ago. Arsenal dominated in terms of chances, because as Rick alluded to earlier, chances mean goals, Tom. But uh, it didn't on that occasion, and Liverpool managed to hit him twice on the break. Could we see similar here? Uh, yes. I think Liverpool will be more in this game, though, as Jota will be just doing Jota things against what, falling Arsenal. Over. I knew you were going to say <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there was Think, contact. Tom. Think. <laughs> right. I'm going to clear this up as well. That Jota handball was a Chelsea handball, not a Jota handball. So that Chelsea tweet was rather biased, Mr. Rick Hyatt. I didn't um, even know that. I didn't even realise that anybody was... When he was, bundled, when he was bundling his way past... Yeah, oh, oh, oh of course bounced. Rick was yeah. querying that. I was thinking, I didn't it, think anybody was. <laughs> no, it bounced, it bounced up. Well, a Chelsea fan initially queried it, but... It was possibly one of the most shambolic tweets I think I've ever seen. I think there was only maybe one point that... It's the penalties know. they didn't get they want to be worried about. Here we go. So two <laughs> two blatant penalties for Chelsea, both checked by VAR, no pens. Yes, fair enough. There were two penalties there. So there could have been two goals for that. Jota didn't handle the ball. Uh, didn't handle the ball and scored. It was Badia Shield that handled the ball there. Uh, Jota fouls Chilwell. That didn't happen. Jota grabbed... Uh, sorry, Chilwell grabbed Jota and pulled him down, so he didn't obstruct him. Jota was pulled down and therefore the play could continue. Um, the VAR obviously checked that correctly, as Bradley then did score. Go on, uh, Tom. Jota, the dive, there was contact. However, I think it was a harsh penalty, so I can understand their concerns about that one. I had um, to go by the information given to me by a Chelsea fan because I was watching the Tottingham Hotspurs. I'm just giving you the real information. Thank you, Tom as a, Bailey. As a, a non-biased Liverpool fan. <laughs> Which means the score on... Is that what you are? 3-2 uh, Liverpool. That's exactly what I was going to say. I've gone from agreeing with Rick to agreeing with Tom. So we've nearly got through ev every fixture possible and Dave Pryor hasn't had one original thought. <laughs> That's the beauty <laughs> of going last because I always tend to shy away with these things and I'll be like, oh, this is where Liverpool come unstuck and they'll, they won't play very well and they'll justify it and I'll get everything in beforehand. So maybe I should keep on doing that because then Liverpool will keep winning. But I will say that they will win 3-2 and then just hope that I'm actually right. So we'll see how that 
comes about over the weekend because we've got one bonus on Monday. Wait, sorry, changing my mind. 3-1 Liverpool. Carry on. See, I don't copy. Carry on. Quite clearly different. Quite clearly different. Yeah, because Tom changed his mind. That's why it's different. Dave, you wait. You'll get halfway through this next one and Dave will go, oh, hang on. I'm going to change my mind. I think it'll be 3-1. Oh, I was just about to go first and say Go first. Get it. Spit (laughs) it out, man. Um, I will say I will say four one Manchester City. Rick? I don't like that as a prediction. I don't like it any more than you do, but I I kind of think that you're in a difficult position here because if Liverpool were to win and then you don't probably maybe don't want Manchester City to win here. I I No. Oh, camel botherers away at Brent- Man you Brentford's new shithousery approach. Mopay's gonna get hat trick, isn't he? That would make me laugh an awful lot, but I feel that he won't. And Will you? I don't know what happened, Ben. I think that, well, Manchester City are going to win, but it's a case of Haaland's back, and I think it will be 3-0 to Abu Dhabi. Tom, full house, reluctantly. Yeah, 4-0. Anyone going to be tuning into this? Nah. I'll so find what, something more interesting to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or, or maybe maybe both. <laughs> Hopefully people are listening to this. Well, the pod's more interesting than watching Manchester City go and get a run-of-the-mill win away at yeah. Brentford. It's boring. We? Move on. It's boring. Yeah. Probably not a great line to end the pod on, is it? <laughs> Somebody say something else. <laughs> you could listen to us on Saturday where we bring you live coverage of Yeovil away to Maidstone United. Myself, Tom Bailey. And Ian Welsh will be there. There you go. That's more positive. It's going to be more exciting than Brentford against Manchester City anyway. I think me standing in front of a mirror for four hours is more exciting than Manchester City. Because you're a very handsome man. You are a handsome man, Tom Bailey. I just stand there. I am. I'm a very handsome man. It's a shame I I don't have a face for radio. But uh, alas, we have to start somewhere. And alas, we have to finish the pod for the evening. So gentlemen... Thank you very much indeed, as always, on a Thursday. Rick Hyatt, thank you very much for your company. Oh, as ever, it's always it's always a pleasure to talk to somebody who, who knows so much about the game and you, Dave. Tom Bailey, it's been a pleasure talking bollocks with you. It's been a pleasure talking bollocks with you. <laughs> Consider a callback, our cockles warmed. Absolutely, and my cockles are warmed as well. So from myself, Dave Pryor, to you, listener at home, you've been listening to... Football, by the hell. 